Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Well, this morning we're going to be looking in June and we'll continue where we left off last week in June. Uh, originally, this was going to be Youth Sunday, but then this past Wednesday evening, because the weather was so bad and uh, we postponed Youth Sunday a week uh, because the, the weather being bad, you say, well, what does the weather being bad on Wednesday night have to do with having Youth Sunday on Sunday? We just need to make sure everybody's ready. You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, on the Wednesday night before, we always try to spend some extra time with all the youth and making sure that they've got their their lessons ready and everything's ready. And since we weren't going to be able to do that, we thought it best to put it off a week so we would have that uh, extra time to spend with them and make sure that we were uh, ready and and having a uh, everything go great. One thing when we do Youth Sunday, it is a hopefully it is a time of discipleship, so that uh, <laughs> the youth can have the opportunity to teach and uh, have the opportunity to lead in the service. And we want it to want it to be a, a positive. Uh, youth, it, we want it to be a positive situation for them. We want it to be a positive experience for them and. You know, it's important. We need to make sure that when we do something for God, that it's that it's done right and it's done well. And so that's why we uh, postpone Youth, youth Sunday. Uh, and so that's that's what's happening. That's what the deal was. But we're going to be looking in, in Jude today. And last week we got down to uh, Jude uh, chapter, uh, verse 4 is where we got down to. As we say, we're going to be looking really three kind of three messages in the book of Jude. We didn't get quite get as far last week as we had planned. But uh, Jude, as we uh, looked at last week, the whole, the subject of Jude is, the big thing is apostasy and turning from the truth. And so uh, we want to uh, continue in that this morning. Uh, last week we said that with Jude, there are a number of triads that he has or lists three things uh, so many times. Uh, as we looked uh, last week in verse 1, uh, Jude said, For those who are called by the Spirit, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. You know, he showed us that we were called in the past. In the past, that the Holy Spirit drew us to God, and those who have confessed Christ as their Savior, it said we're sanctified by the Father uh, in the present, sanctified in the in the present. Uh, God is the one drawing us closer to himself, making us more like Christ, and we're, we're preserved in the future by what Jesus, uh, Jesus will keep us. In verse 2, we said it says, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied uh, to you. We, looked at, we needed mercy. 
because of our sinful condition. But we have peace because of the surrounding temptations around us. And then there's love because of the spiritual warfare that's all around us. Then we went on down to verse 3. And he says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. And we saw that, that uh, first off, we, are, we should all be together and have our salvation in common. Christ died for all of us. And then he said to contend earnestly for the faith that we need to, that we need to strive and earnestly, uh, as someone wrestling, give everything we can uh, for the faith. But then, verse 4, and that's where we got to last week. Let's all stand. We're going to read verse 4, and we'll start there and begin to uh, begin to preach uh, from there. And we'll see how far we get. Uh, just like last week, I'm not going to. I doubt we make it to 19, but when it comes time, we'll stop, all right? Here we go. Let's read verse 4. The Bible says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's all bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, I just pray as we look in your word today, God. Lord, that we would be drawn to you. God, show us things in our life, God, that, that's breaking our fellowship with you. Lord, I pray for your unction to preach your word, Lord. God, I just pray that you would move in this place, God. Lord, I need your help. I need your touch. Lord, I need your wisdom. Lord, in the world we live, so many try to draw us away from you. God, I pray that we see your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can be seated. Well, as we look here in verse 4, We'll start out really the first the first point from here at verse four is the progression of apostasy. And we looked at this last week some, so we're just gonna briefly go through verse four and then continue on with verse five. But the Bible says there have been uh, there have been men men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. You know, they were people that had crept in to the to the church. And one thing that we want to make mention of is some of these people who were leading others away, some were probably Christians. Others were lost people, but some were Christians. And as we made mention last week, apostasy is not about salvation. It's about obedience. It's about following God and doing what he would have you do. But it said they were ungodly men. You know, they were men that had rejected God's authority. They were no longer looking to him. It said, who turned away, uh, who turned the grace of our God into lewdness. You know, first there was rejection, rejecting God's authority. 
But then there was rebellion. They acted on what they had rejected. And we talk, uh, and then the third thing we see in this verse, and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. There was rationalization. You know, in this last week as we look, isn't that really the progression of any sin in our lives? You know, first, we know what God would have us do. And we reject that and say, no, I'm not going to do what you'd have me do, God. God, I have decided I'm going to reject your authority and I'm going to do things my way. Then what's the next step in progression? After we've decided that, we do it. Right? There's the rebellion of actually doing it, committing the sin. And then the third thing, if we continue in sin, there's the rationalization. We try to rationalize how what we did was right. Right? You know, at that point, what we should be doing is repenting. But for those who are leading others away from God, they begin to rationalize. And I'm sure all of us, you know, I can easily say, I'm sure you've all heard somebody make excuses for what they've done wrong. But I'll just go ahead and get a little bit closer to the house. I'm sure all of us have made excuses for what we've done wrong, right? Right? Yeah, the reason I did that was because this and this, this. When we know all the time, it's against what God's Word would say. Let's go a little further. I think there's enough said about that, right? Y'all, we're ready. Now let's go a little further. You know, first we see the progression of apostasy, and then Jude begins to deal with the peril of apostasy. The peril of apostasy. The problems we're going to run into and the judgment of God that comes against those who are practicing pulling others away from Christ. First, verse uh, 5, it says, But I want to remind you. And you know, there's one thing that I read in one of the commentaries as I was studying for this. Here, Jude, he's not saying, I want to teach you something new. He said, I want to remind you. And the quote said, preaching is not designed to teach us something new in every sermon, but to put us in remembrance to call to mind things forgotten. You know, I tell you, I, when I study, I always want to try to learn something new. And I want to try to, as I preach, you to learn something new as well. But you know, as Jude said, he said, I want to remind you. You know, if we would call to remembrance and practice all the truth that we already know, we'd live our lives a whole lot different, wouldn't we? Too many times we're searching for some new truth when if we just practice the truth that we knew, we'd be much better off. And I'm not saying that to say, don't study Bible, because you know that's not me. 
I tell you every day, you need to be reading your Bible every day. You need to be studying. You need to be learning about what God, what have you do. But it's not just about learning something new. It's about letting God's Word transform you and make you more like Christ. But as we begin, he said, I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. You know, the first thing we see is the peril of lost promise. The peril of the lost promise. Here, these people coming out of Egypt, God had promised them a place in the promised land, right? And what did the Bible say? Having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. You know, if we look through Jude, he was addressing the people. Everyone knew what had happened in the Old Testament as Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. You know, from the very beginning, there were people that began to rebel against what God would have them do. And then, really, the the largest rebellion is told about in Numbers chapter 14. They have left Egypt. They get to the edge about to go into the promised land. And Moses sends 12 spies to go and spy out the promised land. And they bring back their report after going all over the promised land. And there was ten of them. Y'all remember the little song, right? Twelve men went to spy in Canaan. Ten were bad, two were good. Y'all remember that? What do you think they saw in Canaan? Ten were bad, two were good. Some saw giants big and strong. Some saw grapes clustered long. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad, two were good. You remember that, right? Derek, don't ever? Well, we'll have to teach that. Come on. But, ten folks out of the twelve that went to spy out Canaan, ten came back and they said, there's giants in the land, they'll kill us. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, there are big folks in the land. But it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And God can destroy them. And the Bible tells us in Numbers 14 that the people cried out that night and said, God, why didn't you let us die in Egypt? Why didn't you bring us out here so we'd die by the sword? And Joshua and Caleb got up and said, God took away their land from them. They give, he's given it to us. And the people got so mad, they began to pick up stones and they were going to stone Joshua and Caleb. And the Bible says Moses and Aaron fell down before God and was praying and nobody knew what was going on. I just tell you what, I can just almost imagine what Moses and Aaron felt like. They were ready, they were excited, they were ready to lead these people in the promised land, and then people started rebelling. 
and started telling all the reasons why that they could not do what God wanted them to do. You ever been there in your life? You've been excited about something and somebody began to tell you all the reasons why you can't do what, you know, I'd rather stay in Egypt and have died in Egypt as a slave than to be in the promised land. I've been there in my life, you know? But the Bible says God's glory showed up. And in verse number 11 of chapter 14, then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe with all the signs which I have performed among them? The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 3, from 16 to 19, talk about how they have rebelled against God. You know, here, God ended up, they, everyone, Except Joshua and Caleb ended up dying in the wilderness. They lost the promise of God because they would not believe. <clears throat> you know, for us today, they were they rebelled against what God's revealed will was for their life. And you know, I think for us today. We can look at two things. First off, it's God's will that none of us will perish, but that all will have their lasting life. And the first question I'd ask you is Have you ever came to the point in your life where you trusted Jesus as your Savior? You know, the Bible tells us Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 9, I am the door. He was talking about the sheep. And he said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. You know, for you today, if you've never trusted Christ, you know, it's God's will that you trust Him as your Savior. And I'm going to go one step further than say it's His will that not only that you trust Him, that you surrender your life totally to Him. Because He's here to give you abundant life. And you know, just as the children of Israel there, they thought they were going to lose their life. And so many think, oh, if I surrender to God totally, I'll lose all my joy. I'll lose all my happiness, all the fun stuff in my life. You know what's sad? A lot of people think that, and it's our fault that they think it. Because we walk around like we've been sucking lemons all the time, you know? <laughs> Right? <laughs> I remember an illustration I heard back years ago when I was a kid. A fellow telling about when he was a young man. And he said they'd have revival at night and during the daytime they'd have testimony meetings. 
uh, he thought when he was a young fellow, he thought the most godly people were the ones that could tell the saddest stories. He said they'd get up, oh, been in the way 27 years, it gets hard sometimes. Face just keep falling. <laughs> he said they'd come up to him afterward and say, Are you saved? And he said he'd think, Lord, if that's what it does to you, I hope not. <laughs> right? <clears throat> but Jesus didn't say he wanted us to be sad all the time. He said, I come to give you abundant life. But you know, let's go one step further. They knew exactly what God's will was for their life. But they were thinking, God, you can't carry that. Let me ask you this, Christian. Do you know what God's called you to do in your life? Let me just say this. God has a call on each person's life. You may be like the children of Israel. You know what God's called you to do. You may have known for years what God's calling you to do. You may be thinking, God, I know you called me. If I can because I ain't got the time. I ain't got the money. I ain't got the resources. I ain't got the ability. That's exactly where the children of Israel were. That's exactly what Jesus told us to avoid. You know, for us, I wonder if we're ready just to surrender and let God do what He wants to through our life. I remember when I was looking at doing this thing of preaching. At the time, I was doing fairly well when life was going good. I wasn't living some life of sin and stuff. I was serving God. One thing I struggled with. You say, you struggled with this? You didn't, when God called you, you didn't just jump up and run down the aisle and say, yeah, God, I'll. Yeah, I'm about as spiritual as y'all sometimes, right? Right? I started thinking and struggling about God. I've got to give what I have. If I do what you say, I'll be broke for the rest of my life. Can I just go ahead and say one thing? There's been times when money was tight. 
And he came back and just said, really it's because the Holy Spirit realized it was not to our benefit to know God. You know, some things you might know, but it just really don't help you. Well, what does it really matter what we know? You know, there's, uh, I've been told before, you know more useless facts than anybody, you know, what, you know, what does that, you know, well, maybe it helps me sometimes. But anyway, you know, what does it, what does it matter whether you can win the trivial pursuit or something, you know, you know what, we need to know what, we need to know to help us, right? And really we come back and look and say, what is the point of the passage? And I think the first part of the passage is really the point. And the angels who did not keep their self, their proper domain, but left their own abode. Can you imagine these angels? They had a privileged position with God. And they left what God had given them. Because they thought they could get something better. You know, for us today, if you trusted Christ as your Savior, you have a privileged position. You're a child of God. A child of the kingdom. And I wonder how many of us leave our privileged position to dwell in the heart. Here are the angels. They lost that position. No longer. I'm not saying that we can lose our salvation by no means. <coughs> our fellowship with God. Here we see the <coughs> of lost position. And then I think the third group of people that Jude shows us here we can see the peril of punishment. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. You know, here in this passage, these people of Sodom and Gomorrah, they were pagans. They didn't serve God. They didn't believe God. They didn't live for God. And what happened to them? God destroyed them. He burned them up. You know, all those who never trust Christ as their Savior will suffer eternal punishment in hell. We look at the progression of apostasy. We look at the peril of then I think next we can compare the person of apostasy. Verse 8. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. You know, here, Jude begins to outline the person of apostasy. And first, he says, likewise, these dreamers 
defile the flesh. And we look here, this word dreamers, I think we can see that these people are revealing false authority. And you think of this thing of dreaming, and you, so many people, you know, you think, oh, I have a dream, I have something good. But how many people in the world today want to reject God's authority because they think they know a better way? Well, I had a dream, and this is what God told me. I just tell you what, if you had a dream and it's against what God's Word had said, it wasn't God telling you. It might have been something you ate, or it might have been Satan telling you, but it was not God. You know, for us, we need to watch out where we get our theology from. And today, in today's society, I just tell you what, the more I've read here in Jude and studied in Jude, Jude was writing for us today. Because these people, how many people today want to come back and try to redefine what God is saying and not what God has said? I even heard a fellow just this past week. I telling Ron right before service at times, I'd be watching television, I'll fall asleep and wake up and it'd still be on in the middle of the night and stuff. And I was going, my plan was to watch the news and see the weather. Didn't ever make it to the weather report. Woke up in the middle of the night sometime and there was a fella in on television. And supposedly a preacher, and he made a statement, and he said, you know, a fella told him, you know, your voice directs the divine. And I thought, sweetheart, you've missed it in life. My voice don't direct God. God should be directing me. Right? We pray and we ask God for things, and He graciously gives us things, but we don't order God around like so many people want to try to teach and preach. But I had a dream, and I thought this, and I thought, that's where these folks were. Rejecting God's authority and really depending on their self. And with so many people's theology today, and we need to really be careful. Because you hear it said so much. Well, God would really mean that. Well, if he said it, that is what he means. And so many people want to try to turn things around that, you know, what God said was sin and no longer that's a sin. And what God said was wrong, no longer that's what's wrong. You know, we need to go back. That's what Jude was telling us here. The defile, the defile place. Reject authority. They reject God's authority. They want to reveal false authority. You know, because I dreamed it, because I thought it, because it seemed like what came to me. I believe God was speaking to me when He when I saw this or when I did. You know, if it's against God's word, no, He wasn't speaking to you. 
We need to not reject God's authority. And it says, and speak evil of dignitaries. You know, not only do they reject God's authority, they revile God's authority. They begin to talk bad about it. And if we look in the world today, how many want to speak not only not listen to what God says, but they want to speak bad about what God has said and those who are proclaiming what God has said. <laughs> That's where the false teachers were. Verse 9, Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. You know, here, this thought of those who are speak evil of dignitaries, Jude comes back, and he begins to say, and when Michael, the archangel, was wrestling against Satan himself, Michael never accused Satan. He said, I'll let God take care of that. You know what we see? We see Michael humbly submitting to God's authority. Satan is called the accuser of brethren. Michael said, I'm not going to get in that top ten. I'm not going to be the one accusing the brethren. I'm not even going to be the one accusing the enemy. I was letting God take care of it. You know, too many times in our life, I'm afraid we think it's our job to accuse everybody. Right? When what we need to be doing is we just need to say, let God take care of working some of that working that stuff out. Right? He goes on in verse 10, and, and many think this is uh, as talked about in Daniel chapter 10, verse 19, when it talks about Michael coming wrestling with Satan. But verse verse 10, but these speak evil of whatever they do not know. And whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. Here, the false teachers saying they don't they're ignorant, they don't even know, and they speak evil of them. Verse eleven. Goodness. Verse eleven. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. They have run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit. And perished in rebellion of the Lord. Here again, we see three things that you gives us concerning these false teachers. You know, first, we see rebellion against God's authority in salvation. You remember the story of Cain and Abel? God told them to bring the sacrifice. Abel shows up with an animal. Cain shows up with things he's grown. God said, yes, Abel, that's what I want. And God tells Cain, he said, no, you missed it. You need to bring something your blood's going to share. You know what Cain said? 
instead of Cain saying, God, you're right, I want your way of salvation. You know what Cain said? God, it's my way. You know what he did? He got mad and killed Abel. You know, today, it's politically correct to preach numerous ways of salvation ways to God. There's only one problem with that. God says there's one way to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6. He said, no man comes to the Father except through me. You know, Jesus is the only way of salvation. Cain was rejecting God's authority. God was trying to show him how to worship him. And Cain said, no, God, I'm going to worship you on my terms. You ever heard anybody say, well, I was praying, and I wanted to deal with God. I said, God, let me just tell you what, God is not Monty Call. He's not in the deal-making business. It's his way or no way. You know, for us, we need to understand. Here these false teachers, they were like Cain. They were dealing out deals, and they were, you know, it was however. What suited them? How many people only want to worship God the way they want to worship God? I tell you, if you just go out and talk to folks, you hear a lot of mess. A lot of mess. Try to talk to somebody about Christ and they'll start talking about how they love God and how this and how this and this. And then in the same breath, say something that's so off the wall. <coughs> concerning the sin in their life. And you think you gotta get that cleaned out first. <coughs> but not only we see with Cain the rebellion against God's authority and salvation. He goes on and he said, and uh, have run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit. You know, the book of Numbers, we see in Numbers 22, we first see Balaam and tells again in 2 Peter 2, verse 15, 16, how that Balaam, God stopped him on the way and the donkey had to talk to him. If you've never read it, go back and read Numbers chapter 22. <laughs> But in Numbers 31, the Bible comes back and really shows what Balaam was doing wrong. <coughs> Numbers 31 and verse 16, it says, Look, these women have caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord uh, in the excitement of Peor. And there was a plague upon the congregation of the Lord. You know what Balaam did? Balaam, in the 
encourage others to sing. We think about that. We think that would be an awful thing to encourage someone else to do their own. I wonder in our lives, <coughs> how many times have we pull someone away from Christ? How many times in our lives have we encourage someone else to sing? When you say, I've never went up to somebody else and said, hey, how about doing this? You know, I, I tell you what, there's probably some of us I probably known we are doing something wrong. He said to a friend of ours, hey, how about coming and doing this with you? Because why is it none of us ever want to do wrong and sin alone? Right? Don't we always want to drag somebody else down so we think, well, it must be all right because they're doing it too? I mean, go ahead and say amen or old amen. I'm sure a lot of us in our younger years may say, oh, well, I always got the wrong crowd. Or was you the wrong crowd? You know? Right? But I wonder in our life today, if we're not living a life of holiness, you know, we're encouraging someone else to say. Let's get real. There's somebody watching you. If you claim the name of Christ, there are others who say, well, this person's Christian. And they say little cuss words. It must be all right. If this person's a Christian and they act this way, it must be all right. Are we falling in the same situation as they encouraging others to sing? But the last part of this person will stop. Who have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit. <coughs> he encouraged others to sing because it was to his benefit. How many of us do the same? And perish in the rebellion of Korah. You know, we can see rebellion against God's authority and salvation, the rebellion against God's authority and separation. It's being separate from sin. Well, we can see rebellion against God's authority and service. Hear this rebellion of Korah. It's talked about in Numbers chapter 16. And in this rebellion, Korah led a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. God had appointed these two men as the leaders. God said, this is the way you should serve me. 
You know what corn is all? I know it better. Religious rebellion. God destroyed it. You know, as we look where Judas taught us this far in Jesus, we started looking first at the progression of apostasy. Thank you. We do it. And we try to justify it. Right? He began to show us the terrors of the process. The peril of the lost promises. What lessons does God have for you that you may never enjoy? of the punishment that Sodom and Gomorrah Those who never trust him end up dying and going to hell. And here we see the person of apostasy. Those who Today, I think Jude has a lot to say to one second. And all around our country, we can see these things come to pass. But you know, if we're not careful in our life, we're going to be established astray. If we're not living a surrendered life, if we're not living a separated life, we're going to be holy to God. We don't have a time of prayer. Maybe we just come and trust Christ. Maybe there's things in your life you need to surrender to God. Just pray, Lord, I just pray. Work God, I pray that you would work in people's lives. Lord, help us stay true to your word. God, help us continue to be diligent. Lord, show each one of us in our lives where our disobedience is in the way. In Jesus' name. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.